0: back to Rubrics, a St. Timothy's podcast. Today is uh, September 13th, one day from the Feast of the Holy Cross or the Exaltation of the Holy Cross. And so we're going to dive into some conversations about um, the crucifixion and things like that later this episode. But before we begin in prayer, Father Steve, how's, how's the midweek update? How's, how's your week going? Anything exciting? <laughs> Nothing exciting at all. No, I don't have
1: anything remotely entertaining or exciting to to share, let me think. Uh, no, nothing. I went to the
0: pediatrician this morning and got a weigh in, and James is packing on the the ounces oh, now, which is good.
1: About, talk about um, yesterday, churching of women.
0: That's right. Yeah, first time, so, maybe first time seeing it and doing it and experiencing it. We I've uh, seen it one other time because we've done it. We've done it here before, um, but yeah, yesterday uh, we were actually almost. I think this Friday or Saturday would be forty days to the T, which would have been interesting. We weren't intentionally doing that, but um, Chloe came up to to Mass yesterday for the first time um, since giving birth, and so we did. Uh, and I, I was immensely privileged to to be able to be the one doing it. But we did the Churching of Women right before Mass began yesterday. Um, we used the Twenty Eight Prayer Book, and we you know we did a whole episode about this um, a while back, and we you know kind of talked about how it's a uh, a traditional liturgy, and some people don't like the phrasing of churching of women, the idea that, you know, reminiscent of the women being welcomed back into the temple after this, you know, impurity. But we talked about how the great benefit of it is that it gives mothers the the space that they need. Um, And I was able to watch this firsthand of, you know, Chloe needed some space to herself with the baby before she kind of came back to church. I Um, wish we had thought about calling her...
1: To get her perspective get her, on this, what what I mean, we don't want to hear from you. Tell us that what, but sp- uh, speak for her from what she has told you and shared. Um, does she have any comments or reflections? on yeah, the, she thought
0: it was she thought it was sweet, and you know the reason she wanted to do it is because of a year plus ago when we um, did it for another mother here and did a podcast episode about it. And she thought it was kind of neat. And I think um, you know the idea of it being, and I you know I joked about. Um, this with her, the fact that I'm the priest means that the that the father was involved, but traditionally the the father wasn't. And we talked about you know I guess how it would normally work. Um, sometimes would be the baby was baptized with the godparents while the mother still recovered at home. You know the baby was returned to the mother, and then when she was healthy and and ready, she would come back. And this was a a whole service only focused on her, and it and it actually gives a Um, structure to be able to give thanks I mean some of the wording is is really wonderful that you know the Lord has delivered me from this great you know travail this this um, risky risky business which it is which it is still to this day I mean with all our advanced medicine it's still you know when we went in to to give birth I was still you know a little uneasy wanted to make sure everything went okay I knew we were in a hospital so that was good but you know anything can can come up at a moment's notice Um, and then it also gives, you know, the woman a chance to basically offer her offering, her thanks and, and praise. And it even says if, if they make a votive offering in the mm-hmm. past, um, to kind of say, you know, now that I've had weeks to really reflect on it, to sit with it, thank you. Now that you know, and I, I think practically, um, that first month is for me, you know, filled with worry. I mean, all the little things are just worrying. Once I've passed the first month, and that only happened, you know, a week ago. Um, things start becoming a whole lot different. You move
1: on to different worries.
0: Well, <laughs> yeah. different worries. But now I'm like, okay, I know he's growing. I yeah. know he's healthy. I know he's stable. Now I can kind of enjoy it. Now it's really a, you know, not a day-to-day worry as much. as It is a, just a caretaking and, and, you know, pouring into them and watching them grow. And so the fact that it doesn't happen for a month, I think, makes a whole lot of practical sense because you're past all of the initial worries, and now it really is. Okay, take a breath, baby's healthy, mom's healthy. Yeah. Let's let's welcome her back to the church and give thanks for that.
1: And so. practically the baby's had his shots. Yeah. And almost she, almost. Most and of them. Most of them she's healed. And it's a great way to, to acknowledge that she has been and I, I love the archaic language, safely delivered of mm-hmm. a child. Yep. And the child is healthy and active thanksgiving and it's a way to welcome her back to the worshipping community.
0: Yeah. Um, so I think it's great. Good. Yeah. I mean, it. You know, it takes sixty seconds, maybe. Yep. Yeah. Seventy seconds. Um, we did it right before mass, and then he. Uh, we timed it right to where he ate right before mass, and he slept through the whole no, thing. No, he so. slept
1: because you said the prayers. I mean, people that's need right, to realize if you right. do this the right way. It's yeah. just. It's a. You know, it's a sedative. Are you for them. insinuating yeah. that baby's crying in church just because the parents aren't praying? Well, I, t- I tell the parents when the <laughs> you know when when the baby cries during baptism, I say, don't worry, that's just the devil leaving. You know, you we have right, to. The you know, it's exorcism. It's fine. It's perfectly <laughs> natural. Perfectly normal. Yeah,
0: but he will cry in the future, and we will appreciate it. And I will. If the um, church ain't
1: crying, the church is dying. So that's right. If you have so. a squirmy crying
0: baby, don't worry. Yep. Now. If he's driving you crazy and you can't pray, that's why we have yeah. a nursery. Yeah. But you know, we always want we always want people in church. Well, today, um, you you know, we actually made a mistake on the the liturgical calendar because of um, Differences in, we've talked about this before, some feast days or some days in one tradition, and then another year they get transferred. We follow but,
1: two calendars, and sometimes they they, um,
0: they collide. That's right. But today is Cyprian, um, a, a martyr bishop, but tomorrow is the Feast of the Holy Cross. Um, this is a feast day I don't think a lot of people understand. I mean, they hear cross. Okay, so what? Um, so I'm going to open us with prayer for of the Holy Cross, the collect of the Holy Cross, and then maybe you can get into a little bit about the history of this feast, kind of what, what its goal is, where it comes from, and, and things like that, and then we can talk a little bit about the crucifixion broadly and, and why it's important for us. Let us pray. Almighty God, whose beloved Son willingly endured the agony and shame of the cross for our redemption, give us courage, we beseech Thee, to take up our cross and follow Him, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen." So, exaltation of the Holy Cross is what it's sometimes referred to as. Where does this feast come from? Well, it's more complicated than
1: one might imagine. And I think I I need to say that the feasts in the church calendar are invitations to enter into a mystery, into a, a spiritual truth and experience. And they're not necessarily always um, historical commemorations in the purest sense. Right, um, and yeah, nobody
0: died this day.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, maybe maybe an easy uh, example that we have in our, our national life here is like November 11th is Veterans Day. It's also the day that World War One ended. Mm-hmm. November you know 11th day, 11th month, 11th hour also the Feast of St. Martin of Tours, you know, a great Christian um, um, bishop and, and former soldier. The point is, when we have those days, like President's Day or Veterans Day or Memorial Day, they are rooted in, in, an, in an event. Mm-hmm. Like November 11th, um, um, you know, at the end of uh, the Great War was the historical event. Right. But from that event, all kinds of, of uh, deeper and, and connected meanings are connected mm-hmm. to it. So... I say that because the Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross, when you go into the liturgical history of it, there's all kinds of different tributaries that flow from it. It is, um, But what it celebrates is the fact that the cross of Jesus Christ uh, was and is real. Mm-hmm. He died on the cross, and from that cross is is his and now our victory mm-hmm. over sin and death. And um, we behold the wood of the cross in which was yeah. hung the world's salvation, as we say, on Good Friday. Um, and that um, this, this cross is the means of our victory. So, there are, um, if you go into the liturgical history, there are three, two, or three, or maybe four different traditions mm-hmm. surrounding this. There is the finding of the true cross by Empress Helena, there is the exaltation mm-hmm. or lifting up of that cross. Um, one one version or one account has it in the fourth century when Helena found it. Mm-hmm. Another one has it in the seventh century as a as a as a means victory over over you know, pagan peoples. The point all goes back to the same right. is that the cross. Um, to quote Saint Paul, we have we have endeavored to know one thing and one thing only: Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and Him crucified. Um, so but the and i say that because the the finding of the true cross before the liturgical reforms in the 1960s used to be in in May. Yeah. I think it was May 3rd. And there were these different feasts. Yeah, the finding of the cross yep. and then the exaltation. Exaltation, of the cross. they now since 1969 in the western calendar have been um, put into one. Yeah. And so we we celebrate the finding of the cross, exaltation of the cross, the power of the cross, the mystery of the cross mm-hmm. all into one. And um, the story of the the finding of the True Cross is a is a beautiful, powerful story, and it occurs with the the mother of Constantine, in the fourth century, who devoted Christian, who was using imperial money, um, to to visit the Holy Land and build churches mm-hmm. over over existing traditions, Correct. it wasn't that Helena was going around and was creating traditions. She was going and finding where the traditions were, mm-hmm. and then now using her her authority, her money, her influence, the fear of her son, whatever, to now make these traditions uh, permanent mm-hmm. by building churches over them. So she's responsible for building um, the Church of the Holy Sepulcher, yeah. which Obviously, still exists. She she built the Church of the Nativity, right. where our Lord was born. So the story is, and um, there was a wonderful chapel in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which I'm thrilled for you to see. Yep. That is um, that marks the spot where this where where this event and this event that, that I'm about to share comes in several different versions. Mm-hmm. The point of it is is that they, Helena knows that on this spot is the tradition of our Lord's crucifixion and resurrection. No mm-hmm. church was really built on there. So um, as they're doing excavations to to, 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 um, to build the church, they find um, three crosses, all right? That, yeah. that matches with the gospel. Right. There were three crosses, one for our Lord, and then two for thieves. Which one is the true cross? how do you decide which one yeah. is the true cross so <clears throat> again depending on on which tradition you read there is a tradition of a dying woman yeah. there is a yeah, look up helena's chapel there is a we're we're googling as we're talking there is um there is is the third one there and it goes down. This one yeah um there is there is the um dying woman who touches uh, all three crosses and is healed on one of them there is a story of a of a of a funeral procession going by and the, you know a dead person is on the bier and is placed on all three Three mm-hmm. crosses, and the one that brings him back to life is the true one. the The, the point is simply is that um, is that the true cross is the one that gives life. Yeah. And whether the woman was dying or ill, or um, the person was brought to life, whatever. The point is is that when brought in contact with with the true cross, they <coughs> were restored to right. holiness and healing and all that. And then from there is the chapel. See, um, see, the the one? Uh, one below? That's it. So um, Father Luke will will show this. I will. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. That's the wonderful. I, and so you can see. Go, oh, go back to where you were. This is
0: awful Hang radio. Hang on. Is you see the I'm altar? i pull it up for the people on YouTube. Bear with us. This is the magic of. Uh, Watching on YouTube. Right.
1: And Abby, who's on Spotify, sorry, you were there.
0: That's right. You were there you're, last yep. year, so don't worry about so it. If you're on the audio, just pull up the okay, YouTube, so, go to a minute, whatever, and and you'll see it.
1: Okay, so... There if, we go. As we're looking at this, this is St. Helena's Chapel down below. Um, you have to go down these... St- mm-hmm. And really, well, that's a whole other conversation. It's a really impressive staircase with crosses etched in the wall where pilgrims over the centuries have marked their spot and people would say when you're going to um to they would say remember me when you go to the holy land and they would uh, etch uh, etch it for them so you see you see really the the little um wrought iron to the right Mm -hmm. of that altar that's the traditional spot ah where um where this event took place in this spot so here's all that to say all that rambling um is to say is that there is there is this tradition of the cross of Jesus Christ giving life, um, found in the in the fourth century, and this is obviously this is Golgotha, this is the mm-hmm. place. So a church is built on it. Yeah, there we are. You see all that. Father Luke's going to put this link uh, in the YouTube as well, where you can go yeah. and look at these pictures. It's really really impressive. So, yeah, so tomorrow on the 14th, um, that's what we'll celebrate. We'll celebrate um, the exaltation of the cross, which is the finding,
0: the exaltation, the power, the whole bit. What I love about kind of all of these um, stories, and, you know, you you mentioned sometimes we'll have legends that seem to contradict each other about, uh, I was reading the other day what the cross is made out of and how it came to be. And there's, you know, the story about the seeds placed in Adam of the three, the three seeds, and they grow what is it, cypress, cedar, and pine maybe? <clears throat> but they grow into one trunk and then you know, these legends about how one beam comes from this one area. And the, what I actually love about all of those <clears throat> is it tries to give um, structure and substance to our faith. Um, it, it forces us to think about the reality of it. I mean, you see this chapel and a statue of Helena and it forces you to realize you know there there really was a physical cross on which our lord was hung correct and you know you, you kind of um read these medieval legends about people seeking the holy grail or the true cross and um i think in our modern notion there's a tendency to kind of sneer at it like superstitious why would you do that i actually think there's a real power in meditating on that 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 if there was and there is a cross that jesus christ was hung on um that he touched that would be a holy relic i mean our faith is one of substance where we think matter matters and, and can be oh, redeemed completely. and I, you know I,
1: I it's not that i don't have patience i don't understand the pushback on, on things like this I mean, listen 9 11 was the anniversary of 9 11 was monday mm-hmm. Um, I have I have been I've seen Ground Zero yeah. you know, a couple of years after 9-11 when it was still literally I think smoking, smoking yeah. yeah and they were doing the doing doing the cleanup mm-hmm. I have not been since they have you know rebuilt the, the tower and all right that. but that is a that is a a memorial spot in the truest sense mm-hmm. where people have a sense of reverence and they go and and the, and the museum uh, for nine eleven I hear is. Powerful, and you see the the steel and, and the beams, yeah. and and I remember seeing on Monday. Um, I don't remember one of one of our naval ships. It was built with like tons and tons oh, and tons wow. of World Trade Center steel that was you know, um, put in there, making that ship in a way kind of a a, a sailing yeah. relic of. A, but it's more than steel, mm-hmm. right? It represents so
0: much. Right. And um, and that's just because it has a traumatic event associated with it. Correct. I mean, that's not even getting into the fact that we talk about, like, the true cross, Absolutely. I mean, that is God himself We're, touching it. We are or, talking, <clears throat> if, if we... It's a comparison, but it is yeah, not the same degree.
1: If, if, if we understand intuitively what that memorial spot and what... What that that uh, you know relic in a right. sense of nine eleven means and how people would treat that with with right. really a sense of reverence, of because it represents all 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 kinds of things are focused mm-hmm. on that anniversary and on that mm-hmm. event. Um, so completely, absolutely, how much more if it if it if this is the true cross and and you will see little splinters of the true cross all over the place and people like to be um, a bit cheeky and say if you take all the you know uh, fragments or splinters of the true cross it'd be like a forest of trees yeah okay maybe the point is not to um obsess over the provenance of Mm -hmm. of these relics but to trust that over generations and in many cases over centuries they have been real departures for people to meditate on a real powerful spiritual truth And, you know, our relics that we have at St. Timothy's, um, can we verify beyond a doubt they can be traced back to the saint? Some of them, the more recent ones, yes. 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 Most of them, no, that's not the point. They are objects of faith. Um, I'm not worshiping this relic. This relic is putting me in a position to enter deeper into the mystery Mm -hmm. as to the saint who lived and died, in, in many cases, for Jesus Christ, yeah. and to remind me, He is real, or she was real, and their faith most certainly was mm-hmm. real, and they are alive in Christ. And if you're lucky to have a relic of the True Cross, it it makes it makes the crucifixion of Jesus Christ um, real, intimate, and connected to me. Correct. And that is the point of this. It's not an abstract symbol. It He died yeah. on the cross. And that cross was an awful, shameful thing, but it became the avenue, the entry, the way, the means for, for new life.
0: Mm-hmm. I have a friend in the Holy Land right now, and he was, you know, talking about um, the differences between the group he is with. And he has, you know, some people who are just, you know, dead set on being skeptic. It doesn't make sense why you know this event really happened here this doesn't make sense this doesn't make sense. And then he said there's other people who you know aren't naive but they understand the importance of sacred space and they are having a whole different experience Correct. in their trip yep. And I really think that gets to the heart of um, especially in America, I think we have a devaluation of just sacred space, of holy sites and part of that is because you know we're a newer country, we don't have as much of a history. you go over to, you know, the Holy Land and, you know, the sidewalk you're walking on is somehow a holy space for for somebody probably because there's so much long, rich history there. But I think the Feast of the Holy Cross actually has something to teach us about sacred space in general. And I think we really miss out when we are not able to um, value that for what it is, for what it presents unto us as an opportunity to you know, sink deeper into the mysteries of Jesus Christ. Hold your thought. What is the most
1: um, <clears throat> sacred is not the the correct word, but I'm going to use it. What is the most sacred, secular space you've been to in this country? The holiest or the most venerated or set-apart space, um, secular um in this country that people go to not not just you know yeah. you not like you know great granddad's cemetery but i've everybody. been to d c
0: so, so somewhere there probably which one i don't know i didn't actually get to go into the national archives um I remember you know lamenting doing that, but um see when i go to i'm thinking of one in d c <laughs> are you thinking of uh the apotheosis of no, Washington? No, no,
1: Oh, I'm thinking of one that most everyone makes a pilgrimage to, and everyone treats it with extreme reverence, and, and the few who don't are corrected immediately. Oh, uh, no, you're
0: right. Holocaust Memorial. No. Ah, okay. I, I haven't been to that one. I have. Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. Tomb of the Unknown, okay, yep, yep, same thing. I mean, it's a similar idea, I mean, not it's, same thing. And the but,
1: Tomb of the Unknown mm. Soldier, though, yes, is, I have been
0: there. is guarded by liturgy. Yeah. Everyone goes to watch and the changing loves of the
1: guard it. and loves it and they get it. And they love the symbolism, 21 steps and 21 yep. seconds yep. and pausing. And, and they love the perseverance of rain or That's shine true. or sleet yeah. or snow. They're there. Yeah, I remember <laughs> at the eighth grade field
0: trip, we yeah. watched
1: changing the guards. Because of what it represents. We don't know who's buried. That's why it's the tomb of the unknown soldier. But we we don't know the story. We don't know any That's of that. That's a good point. But, but we, when we go in, we get it. Yeah. And we don't have to know... Uh, where was this person found, or is it, you know, we don't, that's not,
0: yeah. it is the point, but there was a greater point associated yeah. with it. I remember going to um, Dachau, and, and that's what I, worldwide, you know, going to the concentration camp there, and I I remember um, my family went, I was in college, we were able to go over um, winter and kind of visit a few different cities there, but I remember it was bitterly cold, you know, blizzard-like conditions, and that really brings home when you see the pictures of, you know, the prisoners in bare feet. But I remember parents with little kids, too young to know, but the parents really insistent, you know, hushing them, making them look. They're not going to fully get it, but it was, I mean, it really was this, this is a reverential space. There's something about this space that still carries deeper meaning. Um, In this case, very traumatic meaning. Tomb in the Unknown Soldier, similar idea because death is associated with it. Um, But again, that idea of sacred space that a lot of us, I think, have lost today damages our faith because what do we say that the church is? It's a place of sacred space. I mean, the only way we make sense of how our church is built is because of some belief about sacred space. We have an altar rail literally designating a more sacred space. We have steps going up to the altar because that is even more sacred than the narthex that's you know beneath it. And if we are skeptical about that? Um, we're going to miss any of those opportunities for deeper reflection. Well,
1: it's, and to go even further, I mean, <clears throat> being a Christian isn't is a life of faith, mm-hmm. and there are these reasonable leaps that we take. But there's still leaps. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, yeah. as uh, the author to the Hebrews tells us. So if everything that we that we have in our faith can be confirmed by some scientific method, uh, then, I mean, we're going to have a difficult time getting through life, period, because mm-hmm. we, we, we trust all kinds of things mm-hmm. all the time. Um, but, I yeah, I... Going to the Holy Land and then being skeptical is, is going to be an awful experience. Yeah.
0: I mean, and, and you know, you almost think, why even bother going to these sacred sites um, if your object is not devotion? I mean, it'd be similar to, <clears throat> and, and, you know, my friend even made this point, seeing, you know, people of all different faiths. They're all going to their own little sacred spaces yeah. because there's some connection, devotional connection there that they hope to get out of it they go there to be changed not to learn some historical fact although that's interesting but they go there to be changed yeah. if you go to spiritually when
1: changed. you go to the holy sepulcher and you go early in the morning and you and you and you and you crawl on your knees to the to the traditional yeah. spot of the crucifixion you put your hand in there and touch the stone and say a prayer do i know beyond a doubt that is the actual gps coordinates mm-hmm. of the crucifixion no yeah. but frankly no one is really claiming that this is the this is the exact mm-hmm. s- spot we know it is pretty close yep. because it happened in jerusalem so if it wasn't in this exact spot is over here but what gives power to that spot are the literally millions of people yep. who've crawled before me yeah. and will crawl behind me with the same longing and yearning of hope and healing, yep. and, and the place is sanctified by prayer. If you want to set
0: a place apart, and that's important. you sanctify yeah. it by prayer, and you, that's what happens. And that is that gets to the heart of sacred space. Yep. <clears throat> if you think that our religion is immaterial or abstract, that nothing that we can touch actually matters for our faith, you lose half of it. I mean, you lose... A a huge percentage of our faith but if you actually think that physical space can be sanctified um, I mean I I really challenge people if if you aren't quite there um, find a way to visit some even if it's a secular sacred space and think about how people treat it and what is how does this make me feel and what is it doing for me and then think about you know bringing that into your religious context when you come to church try to try to visualize the the altar area in the same way you would visualize the too many other soldier correct because um, it's a, it's a similar idea there that this is sacred this is set apart the actual ground that we are walking on is somehow different it has a deeper meaning in the, in the marble itself. But even deeper than that, and um, you and I are harping on this,
1: we, we've taken this feast and we're going on a tangent that we, we're yeah. always, always pretty half-cocked on, <laughs> because it seems that the current sort of trends in the church is to devalue sacred yeah, space, yeah. to uh, minimize the role of church buildings. I think a lot of that comes out of insecurity and anxiety because churches are smaller now yep. Yep. and so it's easier to say well the buildings don't matter we can yep. do whatever they it's do the matter people they matter. They what they do but they're not mutually exclusive yep. um if we can sanctify a building we can sanctify a body yep uh and and vice versa but but what i think what's important about pilgrimage and going and, and and having these encounters is to come back and live them mm-hmm. in your local context and and most of the people the overwhelming majority of the people that have gone on pilgrimage to the Holy Land with this parish, and I know this sounds like a never-ending commercial, but pilgrimage is so very, very important, yeah. is they go and they, they experience Jerusalem, Sea of Galilee, Bethlehem, and come back and are able to make that connection yeah. to um, the faith lived yeah. in Winston-Salem. Some people, though, um, go. I, there was in this last pilgrimage, um, some folks went and saw benediction for the first time in their life and thought it was the best thing in the world, but have never been to the weekly celebration yep. here, where it's the exact same thing. That connection of what's going on there and what's happening here wasn't really wasn't right. really made. So you go on pilgrimage not as a tourist, but to have that encounter of faith, so that your your life back here and little old. North Carolina yeah. is strengthened and enriched, and so I mean that really is um, the whole point of, of the True Cross. But keeping these, all these feasts, all of these feasts are many pilgrimages of faith yeah. wherever we are. Like today, we're talking about Saint Cyprian. You know, today, today when I did the mass this morning, I went to, I was in Carthage, and I was. I was with him, and and you'll go there today. Mm-hmm. And we we live in these lives, and we understand their struggles. And and Cyprian again was someone who was a great defender of the faith, but he also had some cowardly moments. Yeah. And how he was able to to you know come full circle is a, is a powerful story. Um, but I think the cross, though, is. Um, Controversial because it makes all of those claims and statements yeah. that that Jesus Christ and we've said this before I think on this podcast Jesus Christ died on the cross because because of our sin yeah and and when you look at the cross especially an image of Jesus Christ on the cross it is a personal statement yep. that he died for me mm-hmm. and and there was a reason why he died because of my brokenness but he loved me yeah. on that cross. He loved the world on that cross. He wasn't angry. He wasn't bitter. No. He wasn't resentful. He loved on that
0: cross, yeah. and and he would have. Uh, I forget which saint says this, but now it's a popular saint. He would have done it if it was just you, completely. If you were the only one who needed this, he would have still born, done the miracles, died just to save you. Just for that me. is a, a powerful statement. It is,
1: and I think if we can let go of this of this need to to deny our own need for salvation the embracing of the cross becomes much more natural mm-hmm. and 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 life-giving i love this feast it's a powerful feast and um, again holy sepulcher in jerusalem is my my favorite place to mm-hmm. visit and and calvary is my favorite place and the story of helena and, and the finding and the exaltation
0: extraordinarily powerful stories Let's, let's transition a little bit and talk about the crucifixion um, itself and that event, and m- maybe talk a little bit about um, just why it is so, so important. Because um, I actually think you have—we've um, talked about this every year when Easter rolls around—people uh, will go from, what, Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday and miss it, which is why the church put the Passion Gospel on Palm Sunday now, just to make sure— you don't miss it if you don't come back for Good Friday and Monday, Thursday and Holy Saturday. Um, but there is a tendency to almost skip over the cross, not to think too much about it, um, and just think about the resurrection. We love Easter Sunday, we love the resurrection, Christ has defeated death, but we gotta pay attention to the actual death part, the blood, um, the, the suffering. And maybe, maybe two things that are worth talking about is what actually happens on the cross. I mean, why, why the crucifixion? Why the blood? Why the suffering? Why is that part necessary? And then what doesn't happen on the cross? Because I also think, you know, people take um, extreme views and get obsessed with the crucifixion. Um, and, and the let's start with the second one. Um, I grew up in a, you know... Church denomination, which ironically would never have Jesus on depictions of the cross, but was obsessed with the suffering of it. Um, we had a screening of the Passion in our sanctuary. You know, I remember, you know, all these little kids who would never be allowed to watch R-rated movies were allowed to watch this one because it was it was special. And there's something to that. I mean, we do need to pay attention to how much Jesus Christ suffered, but I think there's a tendency there to equate feeling sorry for Jesus with understanding your needs for salvation. And that's not necessarily the same thing. Feeling sorry for Jesus is not the same thing as as faith. Um, And and we have to be able to understand that. We feel sorry for Jesus, not just because he suffered, but because what you just said, our sins put him on the cross. Um, The blood is, you know, what washes away our sins, which is why he's up there to begin with. And so, you know, there's, one extreme, you minimize the sufferings. You don't want to think about it. You don't want to pay attention to it. The other one is you almost only focus on the suffering and, you know, oh, look how much he suffered for me. That's why it matters is because he suffered. There's a point there, but the the deeper meaning is that it was a sacrifice. There needed to be a sacrifice in our place. Well, and I would even add another wrinkle to that, and I would, you know,
1: not not saying this happened in your church growing up, but I know lots of contexts where the focus on suffering would be completely to impart guilt on people, yeah, to thing. motivate them to... Feeling
0: sorry or feeling guilty.
1: Feeling guilty, and therefore you're never worthy or good enough. Yeah. Look, what you, look what you caused on Him, which is not not the exact point of meditating on the cross at all it's to recognize our brokenness but to meditate on the fact that he did it willingly and lovingly and he loves us yes he died for sin but he did it willingly to do that to, to give us life and then furthermore this is the part that i think is frequently omitted is that now we have a way to give meaning and purpose and sanctification to our own sufferings exactly. by uniting ours with His, mm-hmm. so by meditating on His sufferings, is not to um, begin every day with a you know fat dose of guilt of mm-hmm. look what I made Him endure, but to say that whatever sufferings or slights that that I mean you and I were talking recently about about minor slights and mm-hmm. and how they're irritating but that's a way to bring us closer to to the cross yeah. and we're we're invited to endure them patiently as saint paul mm-hmm. says and to in in some ways easier said than done invite them so they become a means for us to come yeah. closer to them becoming a blessing almost. Where, where we where we come in contact with his love not unite our sufferings with his so that we can have now a double measure of guilt but no the exact opposite mm-hmm. of freedom that comes to that so if we see the cross of jesus christ and all we can get through is is guilt, guilt shame. then we we we're not seeing the cross in its proper context in
0: its fullness mm-hmm. and we need to go deeper and if on the other hand you see the cross and you never pay attention to the suffering yep. you've missed the point Correct. of what he actually had to yep. endure and why he had to to die and shed his blood and i would i would argue that that how
1: we can find that that proper uh, middle way is by praying with the rhythm of the church's life, mm-hmm. where we can we can have Good Friday, we can have September Fourteenth in mm-hmm. the exaltation of the cross, and realize that when you listen to the hymns and the readings, all of that, all that the part that we're talking about is included in yeah. the propers and in the, in the in the celebration, and so that we 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 come away with. An appropriate healthy holy understanding yeah. as to the role and purpose of the cross
0: yeah on the other hand um or on another you know tangent um what what actually happens at the cross um you know we every Lent when when lint rolls around and we do the station to the cross the um you know refrain is we adore thee, o christ and we bless thee because by thy holy cross thou hast redeemed the world We use phrases like that all the time you know the cross of jesus saves the world the crucifixion is the salvation of the world it's the grounding of a new reality i mean we get really lofty with with how we describe it but what actually happens on the cross we understand that through sacrifice but we also understand that through um you 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 have to get into this um substitutionary aspect and you know people shy away from that because they don't like to think about us deserving to die but but that is What St. Paul says time and time again, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. How do we move from death to life? It's Jesus Christ taking on that death, the effects of sin on himself, rendering them powerless, and then giving us the blessings of new life in their place. Um, You you have to be able to see that um, substitutionary aspect because it's all over the scriptures that, you know, it is us who deserve to be separated forever because of our sin. But by the grace of God, Jesus has taken that death, that suffering, on himself instead and so that we can pass through to eternal life. What actually happens on the cross, I mean, it is the grounding into reality because all of humanity is now given the, the hope of everlasting life. Um, it, is, it is laid in our hands, and we can choose to, to take it and, and now rejoice in that.
1: Christ's death on the cross is victory over sin and the fear of death and the means to everlasting life. Mm -hmm. That is the theological answer. The mechanical answer as to how did that happen is more complex. And we can at a later time go through all the theories of the atonement, right. penal substitution, a moral, you know, exemplar, mm-hmm. um, Christus Victor. There's all kinds. There's four or five traditionally they're, strong. They're all they're all biblical. Yeah, and they all. I mean, and, and I think the answer is to which one. Which one of these is the right one? I think the answer is yes. Probably yeah, they all yeah. are. If Christ read, is
0: victorious over death. Correct. Christ he, does take yeah, our place. Christ
1: he, does show us a new way of living. He did, I mean, he did die in our place, yeah. all those sorts of things. I think the key is to know is that is that on the cross is where he defeated the power of sin and death mm-hmm. and, then, and then uses that as the way in which we now come to, to new life. Mm-hmm. So it's not that Jesus died for me again, to make me feel guilty, in order that, yeah. it's that in order that is the, in the important part mm-hmm. of, that, of that sentence, that we may come to know him fully, see him face to face, and mm-hmm. live with him forever. That's, that's the reason.
0: Close us out. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Um, Lovely. What is one of the biggest misunderstandings about the crucifixion that you see you know, kind of come up time and time again? um like the
1: historical event or why or that's the central
0: significant i mean any well, i guess anything i think
1: i think that this is not new to this podcast the one that i deal with the most is that the crucifixion should not be a or if not the central image of christianity mm-hmm. because jesus christ is no longer on the cross mm-hmm. and i think that misses the point entirely is that the empty tomb is 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 what happened after he died mm-hmm. for us. And, and he the, the, the defeat happened not on the resurrection. The defeat right. happened on the cross, mm-hmm. destroying the power of sin and death. The resurrection is the means for now eternal life mm-hmm. that flows from that. And um, I, I just think that Again, I was convicted. Um, I was convicted. I remember where I was. Um, I was on a retreat at a Jesuit house outside of uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And the Jesuit priest was making the point of Paul saying, I, I've, I've come to know one thing only, mm-hmm. not Jesus Christ and him resurrected. And Paul's encounter with Jesus Christ was, was of the resurrected, resurrected Christ. Level, yeah. It's not that he didn't understand what he's talking about, but he understands the power of the resurrected Christ flows from him crucified mm-hmm. and what that means. And we we don't have to pick or choose, am I a resurrection Christian, or am I a crucifixion Christian? No, to be a Christian is to have them all. Mm-hmm. But all of that flows from the cross. Mm -hmm. The sacramental system flows from the cross. All of the sacraments in some way, some more clear than others, Flow from yeah. the cross. What is baptism? It is to bear with Christ, bear with Christ, so that we may be raised mm-hmm. with Him. But it completely is the idea of of, of dying with Jesus yeah. Christ. That's the whole going into the water. Um, in the priesthood is so that we can so that we can present His crucified body and blood. Yeah. We can pronounce absolution, which comes from His victory over mm-hmm. sin and death. I mean, all these things um, um, come from that. So it is it is the crux of the matter, yeah. the cross of the there matter. You it is is—it is the the central part of our faith that does not at all exclude the power and reality and hope and promise of resurrection mm-hmm. to
0: eternal life, at all. I don't really have a misunderstanding as much, but I, I I do, you know, to briefly comment on what you just said about how all the sacraments are, are part of the crucifixion. I remember that was such a big, you know, shift for me or you know key that unlocked you know something um fundamental and it was never the same for me it was when i finally you know understood what is happening in the eucharist it is offering to god something that is not good enough ordinary things of bread and wine and they become the crucified body and blood of Jesus Christ, and then they are given back to which
1: us. Which is of infinite worth, which, which is, is why it's the worth. one sacrifice right. once offered.
0: And so the idea is at every mass, we are literally being brought to the foot of the crucifixion and being given the benefits of that. I mean, when I was able to make that connection that what is happening here is we are offering, you know, God something that's not going to be worth it. And Jesus Christ takes that and says I have something that is of infinite worth. It is my body and blood. And so take that now and receive it. Um, that is, He takes our offering and presents it to the Father. Now it is, it is worthy, it is worth something, and then He gives it back to us so that we may receive it for ourselves. Or to even be more specific, He takes our offering, our sacrifice of, of, of um,
1: praise and thanksgiving and unites it to His yeah. one sacrifice right. once offered so that ours becomes sanctified by its unification or identification right. yeah. um, with His. And Eucharistic Prayer B says this clearly, uh, unite us to your Son in his sacrifice, mm-hmm. and that is how we have access to the yeah. Father. Um, I completely had my whole world changed as well on that.
0: Um, and it's, it's such, And that's why... It makes world, so much sense, it does. but until it clicks, um, you know, church is lacking something. I mean, when you go to church, until you understand that, it's always going to be a little bit, what are we doing? Why are we doing Why Why do we do this every day? And we want the sermons to be great, but if they're not great, if they're awful, fine.
1: You're still at the foot of the cross. You want the music to be uh, heavenly. If it's out of tune and off key, fine. You're still at the foot of the cross. You want there to be union and concord among all people, but if everyone is just whatever, fine. You're still at the foot of the cross. And all those other things. The
0: offering is still the same.
1: Yeah, the offering is still the same and it's still efficacious and it's still worthy to endure to come to receive those benefits that flow from the
0: cross. Any last thoughts about the, the crucifixion or the feast in general? We have a mass, uh, if you if you listen to this before Thursday, we have a mass at 6 p.m., um, a solemn mass yeah. for the Holy Cross um, on Thursday the 14th. Come for it. Yeah. Um the, the the extra benefits. The music will be good. Yeah, it will be good. The you know sermon hopefully will be good. Um, That's that I new. that I preach, yes, but the the offering will, will be there. Um, the, the crucifixion of Jesus and the benefits will be offered to us for our redemption. Yep. Well to close with the uh response that we said at the beginning. We adore thee, O Christ and we bless thee. Because thou hast redeemed because by thy holy cross thou hast redeemed the world. the world. Come on Father let us pray. Our Father who art in heaven Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost, be with us all evermore. Amen.